talk about Jesus and not just talk about the coronavirus. How does that sound? People are so afraid right now you could rob a bank with a booger. There seems to be a level of fear here that's just, it's just disproportionate. Listen, guys, if one life is lost, it's a tragedy. I do not want to make light of anything uh, of, of what's going on out there. But listen, um, I don't, don't want to play that down. But worldwide, there was 5,962 deaths as of yesterday, 60 in the United States. Okay? Last flu season, 34,000 people died just in the U.S. The flu season before that, there was 61,000 deaths. Okay, right now we're at 60. So I just want to say there's some kind of demonic thing that is disproportionate, that's leaking fear. It's being manipulated by some people. We all, we all knew that bad news sells, okay? And so uh, one, one key to renewing your mind is don't feed yourself on the news. Okay, guys, if you're, if you're getting your emotional strength from uh, CNN, then you're going to be a mess. Okay, I'm not saying be uninformed. I'm not saying any of that stuff, okay? But right now, people are very vulnerable to fear, and I think it's a James 3 situation. It says where there's strife, every evil work can get in there. And right now, there's, the political climate is so filled with bitterness and strife, I believe that people have opened themselves up to a demonic influence of fear, believers and unbelievers, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to break this thing off today, okay? We're going we're gonna to anchor our hearts where it needs to go. We have to protect our hearts so that we don't move in fear. Listen to Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows the issues of life, okay? And so there's a great story in Mark chapter 4. I'm not going to be teaching very long today, just so you know. I'm gonna, we're literally, I'm trying to teach you into an encounter. We're going to look at how to use scriptures, how to fight with scriptures to get everything that Jesus paid for. The Christian life is not just passive, in case you're wondering, oh, I'm a believer, and these blessings will come to me. That's not how it works, okay? All right. <laughs> so Mark chapter 4, verse 35, I'm going to read it to you here. It's the story of Jesus with the disciples in the storm. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. I don't think we need that. Just be ready for it. It's distracting me. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm at a funeral here. Every head bow and every eye closed. <clears throat> I feel like I could be in control back here. You could, yeah. You, Mary can literally manipulate the mood of the room right now. And so whatever you want to do, babe, just juice it. All right, there we go. She's mad at me because we were singing that song, Praise is a Highway, and I was turning it into my own song. Praise is a highway, I want to ride it all night long. So she's like, stop singing that. I'm going to have it in my head. So during worship, I was really wrestling. The rascal flats or whatever. I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Aren't you glad the dove doesn't just get scared away? That's right. The, the dove has left the... No, he's back. He's still here. He's still here. And leaving the crowd, they took, him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with them, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Now, these are fishermen who know what they're doing. The storm is so bad, the water is filling with, the, the boat is filling with water. I mean, right, this is a bad situation. I know we're just reading this in a couple sentences here, but imagine you're in the boat, fishermen are freaking out as you're being overcome by the water, all right? <clears throat> and the other boats are with them, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Must have been some pillow, I tell you what. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. 
And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? <laughs> it's like, Jesus. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the waves, the wind and the sea obey him? So here's Jesus. He's sleeping in the storm. The disciples are frustrated, and Jesus is frustrated at his disciples for not trusting him. I mean, I think, I mean, in the natural, be like, hey, Jesus, didn't kind of see what's happening here? I mean, like, I think this boat's filling up, about to die and everything. And so, listen, what would it look like for the church to sleep through this storm? Not because we're ignoring things with our head in the sand. Oh, Jim, I don't believe in germs. I believe in Jesus. I'm not talking about that kind of foolishness. Okay, I'm not talking about going to the, the, the dark ages where you know, we're actually the, causing the spread of the disease because we don't understand science. I'm not talking about that kind of foolishness or just denying reality. You know, or we get these trite little phrases, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. I'm not talking about just saying these phrases. Okay? I'm talking about anchoring our hearts in a reality so it actually affects us in the emotional realm and the physical realm. Okay? It's important to be wise and take precautions, okay? The Old Testament had sanitation laws for a reason, okay? So, um, but what I'm talking about, I'm talking about entering into a realm of rest. I'm not talking about taking a nap. I'm talking about being able to take a nap in a storm. I'm talking about a realm of trust and confidence and peace and living from that place. It's the realm that Jesus uh, lived in that enabled him to sleep in a storm, and because he was able to do that, he was actually able to release that same peace that actually calmed the storm, I love how Bill Johnson says it. What do I got to hear? You can have authority over any storm that you sleep in. Wow. That's powerful. It's a relational connection that brings peace. I'm anchored in a person so much that if he's not panicked, I'm not panicked. You have full permission to be panicked as soon as the Lord is. When God's up there freaking out, you have full permission to enter into fear, doubt, and unbelief. Okay? But that moment will never happen. See what I'm talking about? Jesus, he's, he's sleeping in a storm because he's anchored into a realm where there is no storm. So let's anchor our hearts in the person of peace named Jesus. There's nothing that upsets him. He's not caught off guard by anything. So because we walk in a relationship with him, we can walk in peace. This is what the Lord is looking for. He's looking for people who find their rest and comfort in him and not in their circumstances. I think sometimes we get this picture like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, every, everything should just be fine. Like, I, you know, like every, all these problems just lay down. I walk in a room and all the problems just bow. And that's just not how it happens, guys. So let's talk about how do we deal aggressively with a problem, all right? You know what you believe about God by your fear level with that problem. I'm just going gonna, gonna to be a little tough on you here for a second. Don't tell me you trust God if you're in a panic. So I don't want to shame anybody for being in a panic or for being in fear, but I want us to recognize, hold on, like the alarm clock should be going off saying, hold on, something is wrong here. We need, we need to deal with this thing. So don't feel shame and guilt if you're in fear, but let's learn how to fight. Okay, so I believe Psalm 91 is really a key for us. And so you're going to have it in the Passion Translation on your sheets there. If you're watching at home or listening to this, pull it up in your Bible, pull it up in your Bible, pull it up in your Bible, turn to it in your Bible, pull it up in your Bible app, whatever you've got to do. We'll be reading some things out loud here. But um, I think uh, Psalm 91 is a key for us, not just for the, what's going on in our, in right now, but for future storms that come. We're going to have to learn to fight with Scripture for the victory that Jesus has already purchased. I think that's a key phrase. We're learning to fight with Scripture, not to get God to do something, but because he's already done something, we've got to come into alignment with what he's already said. 
So picture like, uh, like God's promises like a raging river. What we're simply doing is we're getting ourselves into alignment with that river so we can experience the force of it. Okay? You and I will always reflect the nature of the world you are most aware of. You will always reflect the nature. So if it's one with fear, anxiety, this and that, you're going to release that into the world around you. But if it's one with peace, love, trust, joy, under, under, you know, wisdom, you'll release that. So we've got to align our hearts. And so we're going to, I'm going to show you how to, um, how to pray Scripture. Then we're going to practice it. I'm going to show you how to meditate on Scripture. We're going to practice it. Then we're going to turn it into a sword, and we're going to learn how to declare Scripture. That's where it gets a little bit more aggressive and, honestly, a little bit more fun in my world. Okay. <clears throat> Are we all right? Psalm 91.1. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version. We'll be looking at the Passion Translation in just a second. But he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I want you to sit, notice it says dwell. Dwelling is a permanent position. It's, dwelling is different than visiting. So the promises is not for the person who on Sunday morning for an hour during worship or an hour and a half or two hours or whatever it is that it looks like, or 10 minutes, whatever it looks like. It's not for the person who visits that place. It's for the person who's dwelling in that place. I've got some good news. Because of Jesus, you are now dwelling in the shadow. We're, we're going to see here in just a new second. The New Testament reality is you're living in this. So it's up to us to recognize it so that we can receive the benefits of it. Dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty is not a position that we are striving to attain. It's, it's one that you already live in, that we're now recognizing. Okay, now that this is true, now that I'm seated in uh, Christ in heavenly places, right next to God, shadowing me. I believe what's happening in the media, it's a good wake-up call for the church to be living this as a lifestyle. Not just as a reaction to what's going on, but to go, you know what, God, we need to, we need to step up our game we not just step up our game. We need to step up into the reality that already is. Uh, this is I think this is verse 10. No, this is verse 9. Psalm 91, 9. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. We'll get to the Passion Translation. So if you're trying to read along in your sheets, you're going to have to do a little translating there, all right? Listen, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. And this is an actual promise of supernatural protection against disease. This isn't like an advanced thing, like, okay, now, if you're able to attain a certain level of spirituality and, you know, move from, like, disciple to apostle, no, 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 no. It's because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. That's it. That's the condition. The Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. Um, you know, today we might say house. Uh, most people don't live in tents. For he, I love this. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Man, I love that confession. There is no plague that will come near my tent. There's no plague that will come near where I live. Why? Because he sends supernatural angelic protection wherever I go. What's the condition for it? Those who make God their dwelling place. And now I'm recognizing, hey, this thing has no right to come near me. So if fear is trying to come in, no, no, no. We, we back it up with a confession. We back it up with a declaration. There is no plague that will come near my dwelling. God is sending supernatural angelic protection my way. Okay, let's look at the Passion Translation, how it puts Psalm 91, 9 through 11. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. 
Notice there's no like uh, no qualifying statements, except when there's a pandemic. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? Oh, man. God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. This sets up the next verse. Um, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I jumped back to the ESV, sir. Verse 12. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone, you will tread on the lion and the adder. Pictures of demonic attack here. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. I'm just about done teaching here. I want you guys to get this. God keeps you safe, but not from inactivity. You will tread on the lion and the adder. I didn't say all the lions and the adders are just going to die. No, no. Because of this reality that I'm walking in, because I've got angelic help, Here's the next step. I am able to tread on any demonic attack that comes my way. He keeps you safe because you are an offensive weapon. You don't just live on defense. Are you guys seeing there's a little bit of an aggressive thing rising up here? Oh, man. Why are we aggressive? Because of what Jesus has done. We're not aggressive against the world or against the news or against people. We're aggressive against... Guys, you have to see, this is, there is a demonic energy to this thing that is so disproportionate to the results here. That we've got to recognize, okay, we've got to fight this thing in a whole different, whole different strength, a whole different reality. We are on offense, not because we're offensive. So you, I've told this story many times. When I was in second grade, I started playing basketball, and I probably should have stopped there. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, I'm playing basketball, and I didn't have it in my head the difference between offense and defense. And so what they would do is uh, every quarter they would uh, you know, have a different, you know, the kids come off the bench, and they would have a jump ball, and they would match you up according to height. So like, okay, you with you, and they kind of like, you match up, meaning you're going to defend this person. So like you two are defending each other for the, whole, you know, for the whole quarter or whatever you're playing. And so I just didn't have it in my head, the difference between offense and defense. And so I understood defense. I understood I'm going to be all over this guy like a shadow. And so even when our team had the ball, I'm in this guy's face. I'm just, just all over him. Like even when they're going over to the timeouts, the coach is like pulling me off. Like I'm, I'm all over this guy, right? I just, I was on defense all of the time. And the kid was miserable. Like I felt so bad for him at a guard. They just, I mean, they're like exasperated, like looking at the parents, like, like won't this kid stop? I feel like that's how many, t- so many times that's how the church gets is we're on defense, all the time, and the devil is out to get me, and it's so bad, and there's viruses, and you hear what the news said, and I don't even know if I'm going to have any toilet paper. <laughs> we actually got something special for our first-time guests. We've got a roll of toilet paper as a gift for you today. So, so you're welcome for that. <clears throat> Stolen from the Vineyard Church, but anyway, so... We'll just delete that one. (laughs) There's something that's been made available to us in the Word of God that we need to pray and declare and use as a real weapon. 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul says, Use your prophetic words given to you as a weapon to wage war. The Bible is called a... The Word of God is called a sword in Ephesians 6. Okay? We've got to stop waiting for everything to just come to us. We've got to learn how to use God's word like a sword. I'm going to make a statement, and then we're going to go into this thing here. Every new challenge is a new opportunity to rest in Christ. 
because every challenge has already been overcome by the Lord. Don't you? I mean, imagine if you walked into an exam, a, a test, but you already had the answers. Right? It's just a matter of taking the test. That's every trial, every situation that you're facing. You already have the answers. Christ has already provided the victory, but you still have to walk through it. Every new challenge is a new opportunity to rest in Christ because every challenge has already been overcome by Christ. This is good news. So I'm going to read Psalm 91.1 again here from the English Standard Version. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. <clears throat> it's easy to get into striving. Oh, God, help me to dwell in the shadow of the Most High. Stop trying to be in him. You're already in him. Right. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7 in the English Standard Version. But God, being rich in wrath. No, 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 I just don't want to say this. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in, trespass, in, our, in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When did this happen? When you were saved. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his wrath, no, no, measurable riches of his kindness in Christ towards us. God who is rich in mercy. Notice it says rich in mercy. It didn't say God who is short on patience. God who is rich in anger. You may have a different picture of who God is, but here's the, here's the true picture. God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love. It didn't say because of your great performance. Man's way is I need to try harder. God's way is you need to rest better. When man works, God rests. When man rests, God works. So first, we've got to learn how to use it in our hearts, and then, we gotta be, then we're going to be able to use it for our family members, okay? So let's start with our own hearts. So take out your sheet of paper or your Bible or your Bible app if you're watching.